0: Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church and School, Chicago. I hope and pray that the following message blesses you with peace and hope in Christ, who died and rose for you for free. It is yours. If you'd like to support God's mission of giving life, hope, peace, joy, and love in the city of Chicago, go to stjames Peace. I am the bread of life, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, amen. When I first uh, moved to uh, Chicago, uh, I knew it was a great, uh, great place and just wonderful history and so much cool things to do in Chicago. I knew there were good restaurants. I did not know, like in one block, there are more restaurants than like major cities that are all fantastic. Am I right in saying this? The food in Chicago, and I mean everywhere, not just, not just here, but north, south, like the expensive stuff, the hot dogs, food is good here. Uh, I, one of my favorite towns, Traverse City, is fantastic, has crazy international chefs But, uh, and amazing for a town that size, I thought that was amazing, but coming to Chicago, like it's crazy. And then you leave Chicago, and you live, and you go to Indiana. No, uh, sorry, Indianas, but uh, you go anywhere, right? Just a regular town or something, and you're like, let's go out to eat, (laughs) and you're looking at the choices, you know, "Eh, go to Applebee's. Uh, It's just you feel like you're in a desert. I don't want to be a snob. Am I the only one that kind of feels like that? Go home, see family or whatever. Um, yeah, well let's just stay home. I'll cook. It'll be good. I'm not going. You just become kind of snobby because it's so good here. And again, not just expensive, not just a linea down the road, but like just restaurant after restaurant nourishing our bodies. And by the way, never apologize for enjoying good food God made it and gave it. You're lucky to have it, so you raise a glass, praise God for it. I wonder if the Israelites felt like I do when I, I'm sorry, home when I go, go back home, back right, to, to Michigan, like, uh, what are we going to eat? They had been rescued. By the Lord, from slavery and oppression, death, they're killing their firstborn kids. God literally, through Moses and the ten plagues, released Pharaoh's hand, miraculously brought through the Red Sea, crushed the Egyptian army, and he was taking them to the promised land. Wow. But I wonder, at some point after the great rescue, and they start getting into this this area on their way to the promised land, the Sinai Peninsula, the wilderness, kind of like a desert, we would say, rocky, uninhabited, no food or animal life much. I wonder as they got on the journey, actually, I don't wonder, I know, just read Exodus, that they start saying, where's the restaurants around here (laughs) they do say this in fact some of them even grumbled saying you know i uh we kind of had some good food back in egypt you know if you're reading it's like you were slaves back there but they'd rather have a good which is that's a common theme in the bible by the way two things food is everywhere in the bible side note right this first sin is food wrong food god said eat whatever you want five-star restaurants everywhere in the Garden of Eden. Just don't eat this one item. And, of course, they ate it. And now you see them in, Israel, in Egypt, and they're starving, and they would rather have good food but in slavery than little food but free. Think about this. Maybe you're like that. Think about that. Rather have good food but be enslaved than... Going without, not the best food, but free. Interesting question these days, isn't it? Anyhow, they were complaining to God. And it kind of reminds me of uh, when I was a kid, the first time we went to Disney World. And my dad said, we're going to Disney World, right? My grandparents were down there, and and, uh, I think it was Christmas uh, evening we were going to leave and make from Michigan we were, we we're driving there six of us long trip we got in a Ford Fairmont by the way anybody remember the Ford Fairmonts that is not a car for six people anyhow another topic uh, I was excited right everybody is you're thrilled you're going to Disney World well quickly on the drive as it goes when you go with your family your kids somewhere It could be the best news in the world, the destination might be the greatest thing in the world, but the next thing you know, within maybe, it seemed like to me, days, but probably just a half an hour, I was starving and thirsty, and this is the worst trip ever. Anybody ever do that to your parents? Okay, all right, no? Yeah, right. The Israelites are basically doing that, right? All excited, great, and next thing you know, it's like, holy cow, we're in a desert, And this isn't very good. kind of stinks. I'm getting tired. I'm hungry. This is day one of the trip, by the way. God hears their grumbling, and he provides miraculous food. He tells them that we read about in chapter 16 of of, uh, Exodus, where Rob had to say the word Omer. What is that? Just some certain amount. But God said, all right. Every day, you're going to wake up, there's going to be white flaky stuff on the ground. Pick it up, eat it, don't take too much, you little pigs. And don't save it for tomorrow, put in your 401k. You got just that day. And after that, it's gone, it's going to rot if you do save it. And each day, you just got to trust that I'm going to give you food. That's why Jesus says for, that we should say, Give us today our daily bread. And also God, that's when God said, or Moses said, man shall not live by bread alone, but ultimately we have to live by every word or promise that comes from the mouth of God. They had to learn that, didn't they? They had no food, God dropped it, they don't know how it happened, and they couldn't save it, and they just had to trust that the next day it'd be there again this isn't the point of the sermon but do you live like that today have you learned to live like that a little bit stop taking things for granted no matter how hard you work how hard you plan it'll all fall apart you literally live by the hand or the promise of god he's going to take care of you day to day you got to learn to trust in that don't you and as you get older i hope you kind of do I think as you see things stripped away, as you see the workings of man, man's ability to to make bread is not perfect and our bread spoils, but God provides day after day. So they learned this and they were fed in the wilderness, in the desert, in the battlefield, if you will, in the middle of nowhere, God provided a five-star restaurant of this bread, which they called manna, by the way, which is just, don't ever say that when you read it. That means what is it? (laughs) <laughs> so they saw, hey, there's more What is it on the ground? That's literally what they called it Because they didn't know what it was and God provided that bread And God provided quail Surprisingly doesn't belong there Usually doesn't make its route over there But quail just fell from the sky And they ate meat and then water from a rock God in their, on their journey In the wilderness Provided food for the journey As they went to the destination Get it? In the wilderness, God provided a five-star restaurant for them to eat from and nourish them and sustain them as they went to their destination. And what was the destination, speaking of food? A land of milk and honey. Food, food, food. God loves food. He's going to love, uh, you know, Gordon Ramsay, I think, if, if Gordon Ramsay is going to be in I don't know. I, I think he is. Anyhow. In fact, in fact, it's constantly said that the the future is a feast, right? And you're around a table with Abraham and Moses. Food, 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 man. I love food. But God provides the most important food in the midst of nowhere, in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our challenges, on our journey until that glorious destination. He did it for Israel. He's doing it for us. So then Jesus comes on the scene in today's gospel lesson. You see what he said? Forget manna. Forget that cool miraculous food. That was not from Moses. It was from God. It was from heaven. And then Jesus said, I am the ultimate bread of heaven. Believe in me. Eat me. He Later on it says, eat my body, eat my flesh, eat my blood, by the way. <laughs> and you will have not just temporary life, But what? Eternal life. Christ is the ultimate manna. What is it? It's ridiculous. God comes down into our flesh. God's going to hang on the cross for us. He came down not just to, to us, but he came down all the way down to the cross, to the lowest of where we could possibly go, being the worst possible person. And there's Jesus hanging with him and you. Talk about bread from heaven and there died for you and three days later rose again in Christ. You are not just taken care of in this physical world like the manna did, but Jesus gives us eternal life. If there's any food you eat, it's Jesus. If there's any meal that you give your kids, it should be Jesus, Jesus. And if you haven't learned that yet, as our world falls apart, and it's been falling apart, by the way, I don't know if it's going to really, it's, it's fallen apart, and it always really has. And all our work and all the things that we can do and all our technology, it falls apart and it fails and it can only provide maybe a little sustenance. Jesus gives eternal life. You want your kids, you want yourself, you want your family, your friends to have something that they can, that lasts forever. It is Christ and His promises. Now, We know this. I hope you know this and believe this. Jesus died for you and rose again, and in him you are forgiven. And he's promised what? We're going to a glorious land of milk and honey. But better than the land of Israel, this one is the eternal, the new heaven and new earth where you will eat and drink with those that you love where you will see those who have died before and hug them with resurrected hands and you will eat wonderful food with them. That is coming, that is in your future. But now we're in the wilderness, right? We're journeying there and it can get scary, And frightening. And it doesn't look like there's any food. And it feels like a wasteland sometimes. And I'll bet the people in Ukraine feel like it's a battlefield. And I think we feel like that too. War and famine and illness. It's a Sinai Peninsula. It's a wilderness wasteland desert. But Christ provides nourishment for the journey very specifically and clearly this is very very important for you that he doesn't leave us to walk it alone or figure out ourselves how to get food or sustain that trip but gives us in fact a five-star restaurant in the middle of nowhere very clearly, he says this in Matthew 28, through 20. He says, go and make disciples. How? Baptize. We talked about that last week. That brings you into the kingdom, makes you new. You're a newborn babe. And then he says, teach everything I've taught you. But it's a continual, it's a participle. It's continuing, not just once, but keep on teaching. It's how you're made in the disciple. He says it in Luke, that forgiveness, repentance and forgiveness in my name will be preached To the ends of the world, Paul says, right? You don't believe unless you hear. You don't hear unless someone speaks. Part of that meal, that restaurant, is God's word preached and taught. It sustains. Not just with information, but it does something to your mind. It does something to your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not here because I just wanted to talk a lot, although some may have a good case for that. We're not doing this just because man decided this is a cool way to do something on a Sunday morning. This church service is literally, specifically God's order for the church. A five-star restaurant. He is the one that told me to preach. He's the one that set it all up, that people are gathered, saved, and brought together, and a one and a, they're going to be led by an elder, a, a, which means pastor, and that pastor's going to preach and going to teach. And you're going to read scripture, and that's what the church has been doing since the very beginning. Five-star restaurant of speaking his word. His word is food. His word is your connection to Jesus it's information and truth, but it's, all, it's also just reality. His word knocks us down and corrects us because we need it. The Israelites, need to, they need to hear the word of the law sometimes. Knock it off. And so do we on this journey, going the wrong way, sheep's going astray, needs to have someone, not just the pastor, by the way, you can be a little pastor to your friends. Hey, you're going, the right. what the heck are you doing, Right? God thinks that's wrong, et cetera. But his word also forgives. Because that's the whole point of the law is not to make you a better person or make you feel bad forever, but to drive you to the words of the one on the cross who forgives you for your sins every single one. God's, Jesus' words are food. And we get those words through the preaching and teaching of your church. It's how it has always worked. We get our spirituality, our framework, our Christianity. Your connection to God is through his words preached and taught. If if you have a connection in another way, it is not God. Or I can't count on it. Jesus said told the church to do this that makes sense this is huge because oftentimes i think christians like the israelites we want something greater and better we'll even go back to slavery because there's better food over there we for some reason we want to do everything else besides what jesus tells us to do he's a five-star restaurant of his holy word that really works that really informs and paints a beautiful picture and keeps and reminds us constantly it's going to be okay but we always want something more So we want to find our spirituality and meditation, or we want to find our, we find a connection in God by going up some high hill and and praying and looking for some kind of sign. Whatever. Jesus doesn't say he's there, but he does say he's there when his word is taught and preached. And he does command the church to do that, and that's where you're going to experience God, and that's where you're going to find your best foods in his word. Anything else, you're making up your own religion and ideas about God. This is absolutely fundamental, Christianity 101. Your relationship with God is through his words, not just your words, what you think it is, his word, Genesis 2, Revelation. So that's part of the meal, a very important part. It forms our reality. We need to hear, we need to be reminded from all the other words out there, we need to hear his words about who we are and where we're going, right? Just like these beautiful windows, the the church service is a window saying, look out this, it's going to be all right. You're forgiven, you're gonna rise again. We need to see that more than we do the news. But the second part of the meal is the Holy Communion. This is the body and blood of Christ, why are we doing it? Because Jesus said to. And it forgives. What I love about Holy Communion, and the reason why we're having it every Sunday is because Christ said to have it often, as often as you gather. So when we gather, we should have Holy Communion, which is what we're doing now. What I love about communion is, after the sermon, I talk a lot of, gener- God loves you, forgive sinners. And we learn and think about it. Communion is he forgives you. You're eating and drinking it. This is Jesus' covenant with you personally. It's not just an idea. It's not just for those people. But when you come with your fears and your shame and your own personal struggle, you receive the body and blood. You know what I mean? God's forgiving you personally and giving you life. Friends, this is so huge. When it comes to Christianity, we do well, the cross and the resurrection, but the daily life, he connects with us through these means. We're doing this because he says so. Your connection to Christ, your strength through these crazy days are through his word and through his body and blood. This is everything. I encourage you to get excited about that. And to not go away from it. Because when you do, you start creating your own reality and your own religion, to be honest. And not the religion and the reality of life in Jesus. What I love about uh, communion and and what I'm talking about here, the the five-star restaurant, is look at that picture on your bulletin. I love these pictures of chaplains. I got a friend right now who's on a destroyer with a bunch bunch of guys. Men and women, I'm sure, are scared or a little worried right now. And on that picture, you see them on the battlefield. There is a chaplain giving them communion right there in the midst of their fears and their worries and their struggles, a five-star restaurant of absolute forgiveness. Man, do you think that they needed that then? (laughs) As they thought, maybe tomorrow I'm going to die? I'm sure they do. And that's a vivid picture, but that's what it is every time we gather in the midst of your battlefield and struggle in this wasteland of a world or in your own personal life, Jesus sets a table in the midst of your enemies and he feeds you with his word and his body and blood and keeps you going and nourished until we get to that great feast that is coming and it is. In Jesus' name, amen.